everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where it's official. This marathon is more exhausting than any marathon I've ever run. I am actually wiped. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the beautiful home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I'm joined by my handy-dandy partner, Duke. What's up, Duke? How's it going? I don't know. You tell me. How's it going? It's going pretty well <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> little giddy, little sleep-deprived here, but uh, we're doing all right. It's been, a, it's been a long and exciting marathon. It's been a crazy 36 hours or so. We got about, I don't know, 36 hours left or a little bit less until, oh, no. Shabbos comes in when tomorrow? 6.40? 6.36? Something like that? 6 something. 6.40. 47. No, that late? Yeah, well... In Brooklyn? Mincha this week was 6.43, so it seemed about 6.45. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whatever it is, I'll take it. 6.45. I'm enjoying... Wow. Oh, my God. It's almost like tomorrow. It's a long time. Anyway, yeah. It's been an exhausting uh, 10 days, but we're having a good time. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Joey Bodner does. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at nachumsegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Excuse me. I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest, but I'll make sure to get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, nachumsegelnet, all one word. And please, and I'm saying please with a capital P, if you have not yet donated to the marathon, please do so now. All of the programming that you enjoy on the network is directly based on funds raised during the marathon. I cannot stress this enough. We appreciate anything you can do and everything you can do, from $5 to $500 to whatever. Check in the seats of your car for fair, for spare change while you're cleaning for Pesach, for all I care. Empty your overflowing stucco box that isn't set for a specific organization. Whatever. Giving to JM and the AM is at stucca. It counts as miser. If you don't take my word for it, Rabbi Goldwasser has been discussing it all week and last. This is seriously a stucca. We depend on you for our programming. Jamie, the AM exists only because you are around. So we help you. We ask you to help us. That is what we ask. You can pledge now at jamtheam.org. You can pledge throughout the show. You do not have to pledge in my honor. You do not have to pledge any set amount. But we ask you to pledge whatever you can. In honor of the marathon, by the way, if you saw it, I posted it on Facebook. We also tweeted it out. I bought a scratch-off lottery ticket. It's a bonus segment here for the marathon. And any money we win will go straight to the marathon. What do I have to do here? Match your numbers to any one of the jackpot numbers. Win prize show reveals. All right, Duke, you should probably do this. This is like higher math for me. You know this is like, all right, you know, you do this while I continue. Here we go. Read the direct. Here's a quarter. Here's a quarter. All right, figure out what we got to do. I never knew you were a compulsive gambler. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of of issues, but we'll talk about them another day. Let's go to our favorite segment. By the way, our favorite segment today. Yeah, you know that sound is brought to you by uh, L.E.Y. Cats. I'd like to thank him and Chopsticks again for sponsoring this morning's breakfast and for uh, giving me an entire stash of fortune cookies because I didn't eat all the flashics, but I did steal all the fortune cookies. What? Why are you making a face? Okay, keep going, Duke. Keep going. All right. And, Duke, maybe this fortune has something to do with the ticket. Hold on. Stand by. It says, nope, this isn't it. If you have no critics, you'll likely have no success. Well, then I guess I'm going to do great in life because everyone seems to be a critic. Duke, why do you look so perplexed? Uh-oh. Duke, I think you need another fortune cookie. Do we need another one? 
All right, all right, all right. One second, one second. Good thing uh, Ellie gave us a lot. He, yeah. Hold on. Here we go. One second. Stand by. Here's another one. Earn. Oh, Lord. Earn the greatest of whales. Oh, sorry. Even the greatest of whales is helpless in the middle of a desert. Duke, these are bad fortunes. <laughs> Ellie, I want. These are not good. These are not good. What did, do we win anything? Duke, do we win it? Okay, you can't figure I'm it out either. I'm trying to understand what this good. means. Good. You can sit there. You have another 55 minutes to figure it out. Um, I, I'm feeling that we need another fortune. Um, this one actually comes to our friends, comes from our friends at Eden Walk. So let's see if we have better luck from the one at Eden Walk. I will tell you, those of you who cannot see the fortunes, which makes all of you except for me and Duke, the this fortune from Eden Walk is the tri-colored one. It's vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate. Not my fave. The vanilla ones are my fave, but I'm going to go with this fortune. Here it says, oh, my. Stay in touch above all with your family. Well, isn't that unbelievable? Anyway, let's take care of some business here at today's national holidays. It's International Ask Question Day, and if I'm looking at Duke's face, he's got a whole bunch of questions that I had to figure out that scratch-off game. It's also Pi Day. Duke, do you know why it's Pi Day? P-I, because it's March 14th, 3-1-4. There you go. It's Potato Chip Day. Not a fan, but, you know, more power to you. It's World Kidney Day. Not sure what that means, but if you haven't said thank you to your kidneys lately, maybe you should do it today. It's Teen Week. I don't know. Uh, I guess if you don't have a teen, get a teen, or love your teen, or thank your teen, or... Something with teens. It's turkey. Okay, here we go. You ready, Duke? It's turkey vultures return to the sign week. Yep, I don't know what that means. and I don't know what a turkey vulture is, but I know that I'm going to uh, look twice before I get into my car. Duke, you, I, I mean, it's its unbelievable how perplexed you look by this card. Okay, I, I believe yeah. we have won $20. Stop it! Yeah. For real life? That's what it says. Oh, my gosh! Are you sure? This is the first... Every time we've done scratch-off games, it's never worked. Did we just make $20 for the JMA Marathon? That's what it says. It says... All right! match any of these numbers... No, no, no. Talk into the mic. Okay, it says if you match any of the top numbers to any of the other numbers, that's you win. We have matched the number 18, which is $20. I'm doing the wave. Woohoo! We won second prize. I won't... You know what? Second is better than third. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy cow! I'm so excited. Why couldn't we win the 25000 That's all right. Rush already gave 25000 but nobody gave twenty today. I read all the pledges. Nobody gave twenty today. All right. So you know what we're going to do after this show is over, before we listen to Randy? Or you know what you should do? You know what? This is part of me. Wants you to go downstairs to the corner guy and redeem it. Should yeah, we do that? I'll go do that. No, because we got to get Dr. Goldberg on oh, the phone. You can't leave yet. I'll go do it. Yeah, you know, we should probably wait till the show is over, because if Nahum finds out that you walked out of here in the middle of the show, how, how I'm much, dead. How much was that? That was 20 bucks. Double or nothing. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? It's not my money. I can't gamble with FMU's money. I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. All right. I got to I gotta focus. I got to focus. I'm so excited. We just won 20 bucks. Um, well, this is only $5. I can put another $5. That's what I'm saying. So we can we still No, win. we could get 15 I know. Definitely. Right? And put five towards another one of these. Oh, you know what? If anybody has any input, I will check my email for this one. If you guys think, let's, you know what? Let's take a vote. Listen to our list. Uh, I will listen to our listeners. Or tweet us. Tweet us, do something, let us know if you think that we should cash this in and go for another one. Oh, my. This is, by the way, this is why people have gambling additions. <laughs> because what happens? You win five bucks. I can do this again. I can do this again. And this is what happens. Um, it's also Girl Scout Week. For those of you who love Girl Scout cookies, there are plenty of them that have a good hash on them. I think they're under the cafe, right? Whatever it is. I know that Daniel Gordon's obsessed 
with uh, Girl Scout cookies, um, and that's pretty ironic. But um, I don't know why you'd be buying Girl Scout cookies right before Pesach, but that's okay. It's also Flood Safety Awareness Week. So um, if you don't have good uh, French drains or something on your house, be aware, flooding, it really can destroy your basement. Anyway, Crazy follows me everywhere. The Papa Shot game last week at Yeshiva University on, during our Thursday night programming was ridiculously fun. It was absolutely ridiculously fun, and I'm going to tell you why Crazy followed me everywhere. It really followed Duke, because Duke was the man last Thursday, picking up the rental van, picking up the pop shot, getting it all set up, driving it back to, I don't even know where on Long Island. He was really he was really the man. It was not a fun day to be driving <laughs> a 15-passenger van. It was snowy. It yeah. was cold. Also, Duke is from L.A., so he doesn't really have snow driving experience. It's hard for him. But let me tell you what, what why Crazy follows me everywhere and why I'm bringing up this anecdote. Because every guy who came over to the Papa Shot said the same thing. You know this is my game. Every guy. It was ridiculous. That's what Hagler said. God bless Ellie Hagler. That's what Hagler said when I first brought up the idea of this stunt with him. That's what Gordon said. And every single guy, I don't care how old they were, they all came over and they looked at the Papa Shot like big jocks and, and trash talkers and said the same thing. You know this is my game. So what was so funny about this? Why does Crazy follow me everywhere? Because this week, Nachum and I had a business lunch. And we're sitting there at the business lunch, and we're waiting for the person to come, and the person finally comes, and we're schmoozing, and he's talking about the Papa Shot. This man is, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s, and you know what he says to me? You know that's my game. I'm like, oh, for the love of Pete, seriously? <laughs> You're all the same. And that's it. I threw my hands up, and Nachum started cracking up because that was that was the big joke, is that every guy thinks that this is his game. So as soon as this adult, who we were there for a business meeting, this wasn't, you know, three guys sitting down for coffee. We were sitting there for a business meeting. He goes, you know, that's my game. I just, I couldn't stop. And the only person whose game it was was an 11-year-old kid. Oh, my God. He was amazing. Andrew from Florida. He was he was phenomenal. He got 110 points oh, on Papa Shot. He was he was relentless. Anyway, you are listening to That's Life, live from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. And I'm joined by a returning guest, somebody we have not spoken to in a long time. So it's like... Uh, on ESPN or on FAN, they would say first time, long time, right, Dr. Goldberg? Ah, hi, how are you, Miriam? <laughs> you know, I have to tell you that uh, I'm so glad you mentioned Papa Shot. Oh, no, that, not uh, you, not you. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> I, I knew I was setting you up for that, but tell me right now for real life, is that your game? Oh, you, you have no idea. <laughs> You're all, you all come in different, and by all, I mean men, come in different sizes, different shapes, different ages. You're all really the same little boys. It's just unbelievable. What? Oh, Duke, Duke, are you really running out to do this now? No, 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 no. Stay put, stay put, stay put. We're going to do this later. Dr. Goldberg, we should ask you your input before we actually get to our Teachable moment segment, which we have not had in a long time, and I'm happy that you were able to finally work it out. We were able to finally work it out that you could get on before Pesach. Because I think it's really important um, to have a lot of input before we sit down to the Seder with our kids and get a fresh perspective. I remember last year you gave great advice. And of Rummy Finkelstein, who's our uh, our um, one of our engineers and hosts, actually commented on Facebook that he was excited to have you on because he implemented a lot of the advice that you gave last year at his Seder, and he was looking forward to hearing you this time. So I'm happy to have you on. Uh, it's a pleasure, and I hope to hear feedback from Avrami so we can uh, correct what uh, was uh, not so helpful. <laughs> well, you know what? The one thing about our listening audience is that, there, thank God, there is always feedback. So, Dr. Goldberg, um, tell me what we're looking at this year. Do we have a different perspective on how to handle the Seder um, with our kids than we did last year, or are we looking to tweak things that have worked well but maybe could work better? 
Uh, I think it really depends on your uh, your experiences in the past. It also depends on obviously the age of your children and how they're developing, uh, how, who's coming to the seder and the like. So it's a, it's a difficult question to ask answer in the definitive. Uh, but you know, I, I think that the, the old adage of you know. Don't fix what ain't broke. I think is uh, is really important, and also what Einstein says about insanity. If you know that if uh, keep you know don't expect a different result uh, if you uh, keep on doing the same thing, and that uh, insanity is expecting a different result by doing the same thing. And uh, I think that that's uh, that's really important to to keep in mind. Now I figure out why everything in my life keeps going the same way it does. That insanity is just keeps going round and round. But tell me what's going to be going on at the Goldberg House. Uh, what's going to be going on? Well, uh, uh, the Goldberg House is going to be nice and quiet and dark, um, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be away. Um, we're doing uh, some interesting uh, for us family first, um, and uh, so we are going to be spending time with my sister and my parents uh, away uh, at, uh, at at, the, at their place, and uh, we will be uh, we'll be making family first. Uh, someone just reminded me yesterday of something I said to them. Uh, my good friend. Uh, Mark Kramer, the executive director of Robsock, the Community Day School Network, noted to me that a few years ago when he was describing how difficult it was to prepare for Pesach uh, with all the guests coming and family and friends and people who expected to come to the Seder, people who just kind of invited themselves over, and others who uh, you know, were, were, were obviously longtime guests who wanted to, uh, they wanted to continue having. Um, and, and I said, you know, I, I have to tell you, like, I'm surprised. For us, the theater has to be about the kids and has to be about our family. Um, and I think that that, you know, that that sent a message to me, actually reminded me yesterday that, that that's, that's his plan now. And for the last several years, it's the, called it the Goldberg Plan, which is this, this family first um, and that the children come first and that it's very nice to include others at the theater and it's very nice to expand the table right. and the like. But ultimately, in most families, when that happens, uh, the casualty are the children. And, and that's unfortunate. That doesn't mean that that's always the case, but it's something that every family needs to take stock of whether or not their children get lost at a Seder like that. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because somebody asked me who was going to be at my Seder, and I said, you know, Baruch Hashem, we are a family of eight. I said, my dad and his wife join us. I said, and that's where it ends. If, if, if it was a situation where, you know, we could be together with siblings and their kids, so all the cousins could be together, that was one thing. But for me, as I explained to this person I was on the phone with, I said, I don't really want my kids competing. I want my kids to shine. I don't want my kids to feel that they've been overshadowed or this or that or whatever it is. And and uh, it, it might have sounded selfish, but they work really hard. And it's and it doesn't have to be, um, at least for me, at least from my experience, it doesn't have to be a Purim Seder where everything's going on and this and whatever. I just want to concentrate on my kids. Well, you know, I think that it connects with what we spoke about last year in terms of, that you know, you need to know what your kids have done in preparation for the Seder so that you can celebrate it at the Seder, and also that not everything has to happen at the Seder, that you can also share things, uh, share divrei Torah, share projects, share learning, share insights at lunches as well, and on walks. Uh, you know, we change the clocks already. There are long days. Um, and, and I think the same thing goes for guests. Um, I think that you know a focus on having guests um, outside of the seder, uh, being able to say that our seder is about the kids um, and our lunches are going to be about uh, being a host um, is not a it, it works for works for many and probably works for many more than have considered it. And I would encourage people, for the sake of their children, uh, to make the seder a teachable moment uh, by making other opportunities for hosting uh, the reality. Um, let me ask you another question. In terms of people who are able to go away to a hotel or, you know, some kind of vacation spot for a Seder, for Yontif, 
what kind of tips can we give those families for still making it an intimate family teachable experience? Um, I, I have to say I was, I was only at a, at a hotel once um, as a Scotland residence, and I had the opportunity to have an intimate table with just my family for the Sadarim. So I think that there are those models where you're able to sit there and actually concentrate on the children and the Seder um, itself because others are actually concentrating on the, the food and, the, uh, and making sure that the various materials that you need for the Seder are there. So, you know, if you are able to have your own Seder uh, experience, even at a hotel, I would encourage that. Uh, there are those who are able to get a, a suite or able to get a, a private room for themselves or even in a larger dining room still have their own table where they're able to concentrate on their family. Um, for many, they like the larger kind of communal Seder because they learn new things or they want their children exposed to diverse groups of people. Um, there are lots of reasons to choose that option also. Um, I think it, but, but, again, I, I'll advocate what I've advocated for before on this program, uh, which is uh, just uh, be deliberate. You know, think mm -hmm. it through and consider the options um, and then be deliberate. I also think it's important as a person who has had the opportunity to go away um, for Yom Tovim ourselves is making sure to take projects with you that the kids spend a lot of time in school working on their projects they're proud of proud of them etc whatever it is whatever whether it's you know your stuffed frog or the pillow you made or or the matzah cover or the haggadah you colored in i think it's really important that parents even though they'd like to necessarily give that room in their suitcase to something else and everyone is squeezed by their luggage at this point it's really important to take to make the effort to take that stuff with you. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right, and I think that if you did a an analysis of the of how much it actually costs for another bag or compared therapy. to how much you paid for tuition to have those projects made, <laughs> right. I think that people would probably realize paying for the extra bag to bring the projects along makes sense. Um, but but I also think that there are projects that kids really feel strongly about, and there are projects that their teachers feel really strongly mm. about. Um, and I think that that's where the preparation and the conversation with your child, like what I think we we, we talked about this previously, also where you know you have a certain amount of space. So let's choose wisely. What is it that you really want to bring? What, what, and that forces the conversation of parents to have with their children of what their children have actually learned, um, what their children have actually prepared for the Seder. Um, and it forces us to prepare a little bit more and a little bit better uh, in terms of, of how we're going to incorporate those projects. Because uh, the worst thing would be to schlep them along and then wind up not getting to have the children present or share their learning at the table with the projects. Um, so I think it's important to consider, and, it, and, it, and it, again, it forces the deliberate conversation ahead of time. What's your take on these projects, by the way? I don't think I, mean, I, 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 I love all of them. Yes, you and do. Yes, you all do. All the teachers who prepare them are wonderful. <laughs> um, and with, with all seriousness, there, there again, there are projects that are projects um, because they are. Um, they're amazing opportunities for learning, and there are projects because they're amazing opportunities for teachers, um, teachers learning, um, and not students learning. And I think that that's the test that we as parents need to uh, to, to give to each project and to our children. I don't mean test in a bad way. I mean you know we need to evaluate uh, the learning that the child has and incorporate the learning the child has, and they're only going to have that real 
engaged learning and inspirational learning and the connection to the Seder and the connection to um, our heritage um, if they own the learning, if they, as the president of the university, uh, Yeshiva University regularly says, they have to own their story, um, and there's no better time to own the story at a holiday when it's all about the story. Um, so uh, this is the time for that not to be about the project per se as the, as, as the end product, but the project as a vehicle for the child to own their story. I know that when I was a kid, talk about owning stories and, and interaction and really you know, living it. When I was a kid, my brother came home from school one day, and I don't know which Rebbe he told, you know, told him to do this, but this is something that we started. We took building blocks, the heavy wooden, my, my brothers had a heavy wooden set of building blocks, and we put them in, in um, pillowcases. And during, um, during Dainu, we walked around the table with the blocks on our back and the Haggadahs in our hands, and I, you know, singing Dayenu and, and going through all the words of the Haggadah, and I remember it like it was yesterday, preparing the bags, making sure that they were heavy and that we could feel, you know, just like the whole thing. It was, it was a moment, and, and it was something that stands out in my head, and it's something that I remind myself of when we have, our sadarim is to make sure that there are these moments that 20 years later, and I'm being generous, it's really 30 years later, I still remember, and my kids still remember them as being pivotal moments in the Seder. Right, so when you did that 10 years ago... Um, oh, that's I, you're uh, the best. That right, was nice. Right. Yeah. So, um, so when you did it 10 years ago, the, um, the, I think the reality is that you know, for you, the meaning of Dayenu, uh, which is really the purpose of that, really came through. Right. Uh, that every time you took a step with a heavy bag on your back, you understood what Dayenu was. Not, and Dayenu, almost in a negative way, in the sense of it would been enough. Well, right. I hope this end. This song ends very soon because I don't want to schlep this bag anymore. But that that gives a sense of there's progress. That gives a sense that there's steps. There gives a, a sense that the seder and the story um, continues. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's about telling that story and owning that story because there's a component of it which is meaningful. And that and and whether that's an experience that you have, like holding a bag on your back, or whether or not it's a memory, like I shared, uh, uh, jostled a memory in my mind yesterday when I was speaking about the fact that in my home home um, growing up, I, I had the pleasure for most of my formative years to have four great-grandparents alive. Mm, um, wow. one, one died when I was nine, one when I was 11, one when I was 16, one when I was 21. So I wow. really got to know them. And I still remember the last time my great-grandfather made Kiddush at a Seder, wow. where I actually literally had to hold his arm so that there was actually Kiddush left mm. in the Becher <laughs> at the end, because otherwise there wouldn't have been. And, and those are the kind of memories doesn't have to be carrying a bag on your back. And frankly, parents won't know those memories. I'm sure if my parents were listening to this, they would say, really, you remember that? Wow. I don't remember that. Um, so those are the kind of things where you can create memories not only by creating experiences, but you can create memories um, merely by having the right people around the table and the opportunities to focus on them. And um, to me, that's all about, again, telling the story. That telling the story is not just about we throw out a bunch of details and that we hope that they get connected by the children because we've told the story a million times. We have a lot of just, let's tell the details. Oh, I love this part of the story kind of thing. But it's that the connectedness between the details um, is really key. That's what's going to make the meaning. Um, and whether it's experiences that connect the details, or whether it's the people at the table who make the, connect those details, it's the projects that connect those details, it's really telling the story uh, is, is, is really the key. And I mean that by, in, in the sense that, 
telling a story is not just a bunch of details. Telling a story is making meaning. Um, and I'll just give you, a, you know, an example. It's good, Musser. Good, Musser. Good, Musser. I really, you know, I, for me, I, I teach, uh, one of the courses I teach at the university is uh, research design. And, and I do, we, we ourselves in the department where I work do a lot of research in day schools. And, and regularly sharing with my staff and my students that it's not enough to throw data out to people. You know, okay, so it's 72% of this or, you know, three out of five people say this or that. It's, it doesn't matter. You can have all the details you want. You have all the data points you want. But what you have to do is people will only understand it and it will only be meaningful if you tell a story with the data. And to me, it's the same thing here. The Pesach Seder has a lot of details. We all know the details. Every year, it's not just about saying the details again. It's about telling the story. And each year, the story is going to be different, um, even if it's the same people around the table, because the people around the table will be different a year later. Wow. That is... That is great, great Musar. And I didn't mean to interrupt you before, no. but, the, but the words you were saying really rung true. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am joined by Dr. Scott Goldberg. He's the director of the Institute of School University Partnership at Yeshiva University. And he is our host for Teachable Moments, and we are focusing on the Seder. You know, it, it's funny when you talk about um, telling the story. And, and for me, part of telling the story at the Seder is also the setting of the table and making sure that all of the elements that I expect to be part of my Pesach in, from, a, from, a to, from a total point of view, in terms of all its little parts, all come together at my Seder table. And what I mean by that is certain things that I know make the story for me more personal, make it more about my family, make it more about my heritage, including a, a, a potato kugel pan that I've written about and that you know, there was a, a years ago a journal journal entry a journal article was published about it um, that was my great grandmother's that was my namesake's and I and I have it and I love this pan and using it on Yunta for me is part of my Pesach story P- pulling out the dishes my uh, years ago but when I before I made my first Pesach my aunt who lives in Yerushalayim whom I adore told gave me advice she said go buy dishes that look nothing like you have now. And that you can't stand. And I'm, I said to her, I'm like, what are you talking about? So she said, go buy something that you would never otherwise buy. This way, when you see these dishes, you know it's Pesach. Your kids know it's Pesach. And lo and behold, I went out to like a dollar store and bought plates that were a dollar ninety nine cents a piece. They have pink and green flowers on them. And anybody who knows me knows I am not a pink and fla- green flower kind of gal. Surprising, very surprising. Exactly. But I'll tell you something. I love these dishes. I pull them out. I know it's Yantif. I pull out the pan. I know it's Yantif. And for me, that is also part of my story. You know, it's it's a great it's a great story about your story, and I, and I would ask you a question that I hope that our our listeners will ask as well of themselves, and hopefully have a conversation with their children, which is, do you know what the potato cocoa pan for your kids is? Mmm. Wow. Wow. That takes me a second. I wonder. I wonder what it's going to be for them. And well, I will say that my kids have already laid claim. I have different kids who have laid claim to different potato. You know, somebody wants a potato cocoa pan, and somebody wants this, and somebody wants that. Um, but it, that's an interesting point, and I think that that's something I'm gonna, I'm really gonna think about next week when I actually pay attention to the fact that Pesach is in ten days. Right. That um, it's going to be important to me either to get something new or to focus on something that my kids want to pass down that is part of their yuntif also. And also, just add on, that's that's a piece of it, uh, Miriam. I think that the other piece of it is that you need to know the things that your kids are noticing that they would miss at the Seder table if you didn't put it on there, but you might not know that they're missing it wow. because they've made it in their mind that 
this is my potato cocoa pan, and you know what? The potato cocoa pan, in my mind, the uh, the special salt water container. That, oh, this year we don't have. Well, why don't we have it? Well, because mommy decided that we're going to use paper plates this year instead. Right. Well, like who 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 made you boss, mom? Right? You know, <laughs> that's like, because that's what I mean by what's their potato cocoa pan? What's the experience that they're having? What's the thing that's on the table that's jostling the memories for them? And if our listeners ask, not only think about that, but actually ask the kids, what are the things that you're most looking forward to next week to see at our Seder table? Um, I think that creates a powerful conversation about what they're noticing and what it is that we need to highlight, even if we don't think it's as important. Um, we learn what they think is important. That's, uh, that is incredible, incredible mustard. I know that there are certain foods. I mean, obviously, we talk about the connection between memories and, and, and yontif and Jews and food, and there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek jokes and laughter about that and, and insinuations and whatever, but there, there's a lot that that kids connect to whatever meal they had and what special food they like, etc. I mean, my father makes, I'm not saying this to boast, my father seriously makes the best haroset on the planet. On the planet, because it's an old Yerushalmi recipe, and it's based on prunes. It's prunes, apples, and I'm, I'm talking about food a little bit early, because Schiffer Klein from Joy of Kosher actually just walked in the studio. We're going to be talking about food in a couple minutes. But it's prunes, it's apples, it's walnuts, it's sweet wine, it's cinnamon, and, and that's it. So for them also, like, we don't have, if we don't have Saba's Harosa, for whatever reason it is, it's not Yantif. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate you expanding the idea of a potato cocoa pan to the actual <laughs> food itself. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's exactly on point, uh, Miriam, and I hope that you and our listeners um, have those kind of conversations with their children so that they know not only what it is that their children will want as their Yerusha, uh, mm. but more importantly, uh, what they come to expect each and every year at the Seder, uh, they expect from us in terms of the conversations we'll have, uh, the, the kind of things that we can expect them to be paying attention to at the Seder, um, so that the experience um, is in a more meaningful one, and that the story is one that they own. That's, uh, again, an incredible piece of advice. Dr. Goldberg, with only a couple minutes left, give me something just as a last-minute takeaway for our listeners before they head into the Seder? Um, you know, I think that uh, there are those who really uh, look forward to hearing their parents say the same uh, divrei Torah and the same uh, jokes, you know, each and every year, <laughs> and they might complain about it. But I have one student at the university here uh, who's now a teacher uh, who um, – who once told me that they go back to their father's Seder every year and they look forward to hearing the same Divrei Torah, and he has no problem. And his father literally every year says exactly the same thing. And this is a tremendous Tamil Chacham who he's talking about who could clearly say different things every single year. Um, and I think that sometimes we look to innovate, um, and innovation is important. Uh, let the innovation come from the kids sometimes. Um, uh, but, but for us, don't forget um, that, that our kids sometimes just need to hear the same ideas from us so each year they realize that that's a value of our family um, and that that's something that will always be with them and they'll look forward to it every single year, every single state every year that's fantastic dr goldberg i really appreciate it i'm happy you made the time to join us today i look forward to having you on more regularly we will work this out after yontif dr scott goldberg thanks for being on a pleasure you too take yes, care bye-bye. You've been listening to That's Life. you are listening to that's life on the nachum siegel network i'm miriam el wallach joined by my second guest who, again, brought no food. But that's okay, because we love her. Schiffer Klein, 
editor of Joy of Kosher Magazine. Hello, Shifra. Hello. I actually bought some food. You did? I did. Don't they? I didn't want to make noise in the studio. Oh, make noise. Make Nothing noise. major. What'd you bring? I mean, it's before Pesach. I couldn't make you anything, but I brought you some cheese danishes and chocolate <laughs> oh, red right. box. So. I'm like, I cannot come without <laughs> yeah. bringing food today. Yeah. Now, by the way, Avrami's listening going, come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Avrami. I'm like, I know he, he can't win. The boy can't win. By the way, cheese danish for Avrami is like a whole different food group. Oh, okay. He subsists on tea. And rye bread. I mean, literally, the boy is a bread and water. If he had, if he went to jail, he'd be fine. I mean, <laughs> whatever. I promise, stay out of jail. But I have to, I, I have to give you again props. I know I start and end every segment with you this way, right? And my listeners probably think they're rolling their eyes. But this <laughs> issue is so good; it's ridiculous. Thank you. And you know what I did? What? I took, I took a couple recipes for a oh, test nice. drive. I did, nice. and I made do? the beet cured salmon. Oh, nice. Yeah. It is. It's really. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You. It's got, it's got a whole. It one, two, three, four. It has six ingredients. Yeah. It has six ingredients. It is pink. Yeah, it's a really great presentation, <gasps> and it's really good. I mean, because we had a recipe. What By the way, was, for those that started to interrupt, yeah. it's on page 74 of Joy of Kosher. Go on. Thank you. Yep. No, so we did a whole article on fish, right? Right. Because we figured we fi- we felt that fish was a little bit under underappreciated. Underappreciated. It wasn't feeling the love. Yeah, exactly. So we did a whole thing on fish, and then one of the recipes had salmon rolled with lox. Mm-hmm. And so my family does not eat any processed foods. They make everything at home themselves. Right, I remember you told yeah. me this. And so I was like, okay, I want to make this recipe for myself. How do you make lox? And so that's how this recipe came to be. Oh. It came to be from, it was like a last minute addition to the magazine. Well, it was but, great. Yeah. And as a person who, for whatever insane reason, starts magazines from the back to the yeah. front, <laughs> I, I'm just that gal. Um, this And it says yum on it. No joke. Right. No joke, yum. And I, I will tell you that I was like, great. I have to rate, I have to grate beets, but who cares? I mean, I put, put in the food processor and yeah, it was exactly. nothing. But the best thing about this is that you can, you have to do it five days ahead. Yeah. Five, six days, which means that Seder is Monday. Yeah. I, I can do it next week. Totally. I have something already set. If, if your house is ready. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's house is ready. Sure, Somebody out there. Uh, sure Naomi Nachman's house is ready. I am. <laughs> Right. Avrami, during the live lunch, was playing um, both Pesach music and then played It's Shabbos Now, right by Eighth Day is the last song he played. I'm like, great. Put me in a panic. (laughs) Not that it's a surprise, but I'm really not ready to talk about it. So let's talk about this, because now that we're going to go to the front of the magazine, Duke is like, why don't I get a copy of the magazine? I know, I know, I know. So I, I, I will also be honest. Because I had gone through this. I took this when we, I took my copy when I got it right before we went to Israel, when Nachum and I went to Israel for the Jerusalem Marathon. So I took it with me. It was a hit on my LL flight. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was a hit. Especially with the flight attendants. Oh, wow. (laughs) She looks at me and she goes, It's all kosher. I said, The whole thing. And I showed her the front cover. That's awesome. And she says, Where can I get it? And I told her she can get it online. Oh, wow. Thank you. There you go. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about the popsicles. Yeah. So smart. Yeah. Tell me how that happened. So the whole issue is all about, because it's Pesach and everybody has their own, you know, you can't, everyone has their own customs and like what they eat, what they don't. So we like to do like an all natural issue and try to veer away from anything processed and really highlight any, all the ingredients, all natural ingredients. So all the articles came to be from that. That's where like the whole basis of everything was. And so this article was a fun way to use fruits and vegetables. Um, the avocado coconut one is very interesting. Oh, under- it's very creamy. Interesting yeah. is an understatement. Yeah. That one is very interesting. If you like to try something new, uh, the apple kiwi one is beautiful. 
Unreal. Yeah, it looks really nice. And the others are also so refreshing and they taste great. And they highlight all the natural ingredients that are in those recipes. They're all like, like you said, the the salmon recipe had six ingredients. All these have about four or five ingredients and that's it. And they're all based on a simple syrup, mm-hmm. which is nothing to make. And you explain exactly. how to make it also. But what's interesting to me, I shouldn't say interesting. What's refreshing to me is that I remember as a kid, polishing for something fun. Like, right. You know, fun. On Pesach, yeah. Right, on Pesach. It was, exactly. Listen, it was a lot of cr- matzahs and cream cheese. Okay, fine. A lot <laughs> of matzahs and cream cheese. And that's fine. That's a staple. That's good. And right. And Tempty is better when it, you know, easier to spread. All the matzahs, the whole thing. But this is like... This is this is Pesach made easy. Yeah, for sure. Just made easy. I, it, so many people are afraid to even think about tackling and something t- new. Right on Pesach. I remember as a kid, my mother used to my mother used to collect magazine clippings with different recipes that right. she thought she could translate into Pesach. She could make them Pesachic. She could this, and so she'd go through them for weeks and weeks right. and weeks. Now I got a whole magazine exactly based on fresh yeah. fruits and vegetables. That is totally doable. And even if you don't want to make, you don't want to buy your your pop maker. Right. No, you could do it. You could do it with your Dixie own. Cups yeah. and, Dixie cups and sticks. Totally. The only thing you haven't figured out yet is how to make um, donut pops. Is to make uh, the um, donut pops. Cake pops. Cake pops for Pesach. You know, what cake you pops on a stick. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about. Cake pops are a big fad right now. You had a whole thing on yeah. cake pops. We had it on cake pops a long time ago. Right. Joy of Kosher did something, yeah. Right. That's my challenge to you. Okay. Cake pops for Pesach. Well. Of course, my next thing is that we're all going to We have something Kala, going for Shavuos, oh. and it just so happens to be yeah. that that recipe is so good for Pesach. Really? I, I shouldn't give it away. I was about to say, can you yeah. share? Can you share? It's uh, cheesecake pops. <gasps> really you, cool. Shiffer, you can't. I mean, that's like And that's half a totally Pesachic, yeah. That's... I'll leave you in suspense. No, <laughs> no, I don't like you see, in like we're living in Shavuos. You're talking about Pesach. I'm like, I can't believe Pesach is in two weeks. Like, I was... We're like in cheesecake, like <laughs> time now, but. It's funny because yeah. I was going to play a song at the end of the show today having to do with Rosh Hashanah so I could pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so I could pretend everything else had already happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't skip summer, but. No, and I need the summer. I never thought yeah. I'd need the summer as much as I do, but I need the summer. What did um, our good friend um, Stephen do? this uh this issue so he did um he spoke about emulsions and he did aiolis like different mayonnaise for those people who don't know don't know that the word a-i-o-l-i is pronounced aioli yeah and it's a fancy way of saying mayonnaise i think (laughs) (laughs) i think it's the same thing it's the snooty way yeah exactly (laughs) it just makes it sound so much more and it's a great scrabble word when you have a lot of vowels you don't know what to do with yeah that's what i'm all about um, so we have all different flavors, right? Um, cranberry, walnut, vinaigrette as well. That's also we had different types of emulsions. Emulsions isn't just a mayo; it's combining oil and you know vinegar, or lemon, right? Some kind or of acid, it is. Exactly. right? And then of course I, <laughs> I'm looking through this very healthy, amazing issue, and, <laughs> and then what do I come to? <laughs> Schmaltz makes a comeback. <laughs> Under my skin, the tasty truth about animal fats and what's on the left side of the page, schmaltz makes a comeback. And I was showing somebody this this issue in my house, and she's looking at wow, this is great, this is fresh, this is innovative. Schmaltz! She's like, I'm skipping this part. I'm like, just read it. Yes. So I don't understand. So first of all, I have to tell you, I was just, my husband and I were like fanatic foodies. We're crazy. So for we, we drove to Philadelphia to try out that new restaurant, um, Citron and Rose. Oh. Yeah. So road he, trip. Yeah, yeah, road trip. Really worth it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Did you all do this in one day? No, no. It was like we, we managed to do other things as well. But Good for you. It was, you know, it was a priority. <laughs> so That's um, my girl. Yeah. yeah. 
So they had, and it was so funny, it was just last week. So they had, they served their warm, fresh challah and rye bread, rye rolls with a schmaltz bread. You're kidding me. Like roasted garlic schmaltz bread. And it sounds disgusting, but I promise you it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so excited. I was like, oh, we're also doing schmaltz. No, because it's sort of a natural, you're talking about all natural. It's a natural fat. Yeah. And there's so many amazing things you could do with it. Why throw it out? Why throw out the schmaltz? And it has flavor. Oh, my grandparents are having a heart attack Listen, you and go- they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, exactly. I said, right now, I need an angioplasty just talking about this, right? No, I mean, listen, if you're going to do something with oil or you're going to, you know, you're going to use it, you might as well. It's, uh, you know, you go to these five-star restaurants, they have duck fat fries. So right. We speak oh about that. Oh, my gosh. Right. So, so duck, duck wants duck fat. Duck right. fat is schmaltz. It's just from the duck, not the chicken. But right. same thing. <laughs> right. Is there something about calling it confit that makes it acceptable in French? I know, right? And Aioli, puffy. Right. Exactly. Duck it's just, fat. Yeah. It's really about the marketing. Exactly. <laughs> totally. You call it schmaltz. It's like somebody from, you know. <laughs> it doesn't sound The like 20s that. on the Lower East Side, they were cooking yeah. everything. And Duke is like, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. So what are we, so what are we doing with this schmaltz? Let's call it. I mean, calling it confit is just a joke. We so spoke about it last time. We call it flavor or something like right. that. It, so, so you have, it, yeah. So you have, okay, how to make duck confit and what to do with it, which exactly, is great. Exactly, which is awesome. But this is also, awesome. this is also. And I just want to say, you can yeah. totally do this all with chicken. It doesn't have to be duck. Right. And it's. Can you do it with turkey or is it not high in fat enough? I think you could do it in turkey. I mean, you're cooking, you're slow cooking it in fat. So like, I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's slow cook things in fat. Um, so here, we, this this recipe struck my fancy just because it made me laugh. Parsnip and roasted garlic soup. Stop there. Sounds amazing. Parsnip and roasted garlic soup some, with ribbonness. <laughs> it's like, I yeah. Um, this is like Stephen Wallach's dream come true, is being able to make all this stuff and me actually saying, okay, you can do it. <laughs> well, the ribbonness is almost like, you know, a lot of people will serve like a creamy potato soup. You know, with like, I mean, Explain not Explain to everyone what gribbiness is, by the way. What? It's Ex- crunchy chicken, chicken skin. skin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, <laughs> poor Duke. He's like, what's going on? Now he doesn't want the issue anymore. He wants me to take okay, eight pages. Okay, for all those people who do not like the word fat, it's only eight pages of the magazine. Eight? Everything else is very, right. maybe ten. But there's 74 pages of a lot of healthy recipes. Right. So let's talk about the gnocchi. Yeah. Let's talk about the gnocchi. Making gnocchi is something that has always made me nervous. Okay. Um, Do I need to fear? No, really not. And we actually tried, at first, a lot of recipes that we had seen were like, okay, just take the potato starch instead of the flour. But it became really, like, dense, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't good. So we have a trick in here to really make light gnocchi. And we've tried, like, we did a bunch of versions, so we could tell you for sure this works. It's just use very hot potatoes and whip up the egg whites. And don't use any egg yolks. And that's the egg right, yolks that will bring it down? The egg yolks and also use much less potato starch. Like if you would do it with flour, you can do a cup. Hmm. But potato starch is more, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have that like light flavor, that light texture. Right. So we just like mamish like literally a quarter cup of potato starch. And that was it? That was it. How many times did it take you before you got a good recipe? Um, I think we tried it like three or four times. Yeah. There was um, yeah, a couple weeks ago in the times. a couple weeks ago in the New York Times magazine just to show you how on the cusp, how up and coming, how trendy Joy of Kosher is. A couple weeks ago in the New York Times magazine, there's a full spread on making gnocchi. Oh wow, yeah. And they had beet gnocchi, carrot gnocchi, all this kind of stuff, and it had two. And they actually they didn't even put in the uh, the potato starch. Okay. They just used potatoes and flour. No. No. It was totally kosher Pesach. Oh, no it was way. potatoes and something else. That's so interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. And they also call for a ricer. 
Yes, we also do. Right. And I think we have a step by step for anybody who's intimidated. Of course you do because you, (laughs) you demystify everything. But what I think people don't understand is something that I didn't appreciate um, the first time I made gnocchi is you really do need that rice. Do not use a food processor. No, no, oh, no. not a food processor. No, and please explain why. So uh, the ricer really helps keep the, t- the lightness of the potato and the fluffiness, and it just mashes it in a way that doesn't, like, sort of break, it th- break down the potato too much. Like, a food processor would totally, like, it also makes it gummy. Right, right, exactly. It makes the starch gummy by exactly. you're activating the starch too much. Yeah. Um, by the way, my daughter, who for some reason or other is listening to us while she's in class, and we can talk about that another time, <laughs> she's um, she's enjoying right now the fact that she thinks that I'm making yucky on Pesach. But she's actually very adventurous. She goes through the magazine also okay. and starts dog-earing pages and like, okay, this one's a good one. This one's something oh, that's that we're cute. trying. Yeah. yeah. She's um, the beef cheek sauce. You must try. Right, it's so, awesome. I'm telling you, we could not get enough of it. It's amazing. Now explain and to me. And only do it with beef cheek. I was about to yes. say, is it interchangeable? I, I I'm telling you, there's something about the beef cheek because it has a lot of um, gelatin. Okay. Natural gelatin. I was about to say, don't scare everybody. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? like joy of kosher, right? No. Okay, it has <laughs> like... salt and gelatin. <laughs> One heck of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're using all the natural things that, right. that you know, anything that the animal has to offer. Um, yeah, and more. <laughs> what? So just. No, it really, it's an amazing sauce. And there's no, you know, a lot of times, the, you know, you go to a restaurant, you have those like thick, delicious, like meat sauces. Right. That, you know, a veal sauce, a veal dummy glaze, it all like sometimes cooks for hours and is thickened with like flour or something like that. It just gets naturally thick and flavorful. And you don't have to add any salt because it's such a flavorful cut of meat. Can and you, it's really an amazing, an amazing sauce. Can you readily get beef cheek? Totally. Really? It's so available. Is it sitting there? I mean, is it it's just totally something I wasn't looking there. for? Yeah, it became really popular. I think that people started to use it a lot. It probably used to be like, talking about like marketing, Lots. it probably used to be like three ninety nine a pound. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like more, it's like one of the more expensive. Really? Companies. Yeah. People put in their chalent and they say it's like the secret to the best chalent. Really? Yes. Why? Because, because of the, because of the of type they... of cut. Yeah. It breaks down very nicely in low, slow, slow cooking. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, and we don't, unfortunately, we have about five, six minutes left. And Duke is going to start giving me dirty looks in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, right now. I know you're glaring at me. It's fine. But I cannot throw Shipper Klein from Joy of Kosher off the air because, frankly, I enjoy talking to her too much. <laughs> um, but on, Pes- on Pesach, on Rosh Hashanah, because I want to talk about Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> on Rosh Hashanah, when we have a fish head on the table. Yeah. My husband talks about the cheek of the salmon as being the sweetest part of the fish. Yeah. And and I am slightly repulsed by the fact <laughs> that he wants to eat the cheek of the salmon. But the kids also, they love it. They swear yeah, it's it sweeter. Is. It really is. It has just a different flavor to it. It's amazing how different parts of the animal yeah. really taste it really differently. Make, yeah. And you have to cook it the right way, though. Right. Yeah, well, that's it's, true about it's anything. Long and slow, yeah. You can get the best piece of meat and you can destroy exactly. it. Exactly. So let's talk about the fish also, by the way. The the recipe, Red Snapper and Crazy Water, yeah. made me laugh. And then I'm like, all right, what makes it crazy? But then, you know. It's just the name that. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, there was an, oh, one second, there was a question I had about John Dory. Yeah. Now, John Dory, now, Turbo you can get in a lot of different places. Is John Dory, and by the way, John Dory is not the name of a person. It is the name of a fish. Uh-huh. John Dory, if you can't get it. He's halibut. You can use halibut? Yeah. So this recipe looks very light and airy. Yes, really great. And um, That's on page yeah. 50. Lettuce-wrapped exactly. John Dory. What does the lettuce do? So um, it's just, you know, it's just a nice crunch, and it seals in the flavor of the fish. And, it, and it's very pretty. It is definitely very yeah. pretty. Even looks and, pretty. It's, and it's iceberg lettuce, right. which is so underused. 
for good reason. You, you like iceberg? I like it. Really? Yeah. You're a fan? I once did, I did a cooking demo recently, and I did a salad with iceberg lettuce. And people were like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. It's so good. I forgot about it. Like, I feel like people forgot about it. Well, there are big, you know, there are a lot of no. restaurants that do, like, a, which to me is, like, the laziest salad ever. It's a chunk. <laughs> a wedge. It's a wedge. Right. It's a wedge of iceberg yeah. lettuce with blue cheese dressing. Yeah. Dude, do something. But, no, it's, like, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's a thing. That's, it's, um. Yeah. It's a really light, delicious dish, and it's beautiful. It looks so nice. No, it looks yeah. very pretty. And growing up, for those people who don't know this, who haven't read the article that I that I referred to with Dr. Goldberg, we had a... You ready for this, Shifra? We ha- our second Seder growing up was Milchik's. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like that. You should see Duke's face. Um, <laughs> it's a death stare. <laughs> it's a death stare. It was Milchik's, and we had salmon. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this would and you know been... what? Milchik is more expensive sometimes, a Milchik meal. Tell me it's about more... it. I just made a Milchik bat mitzvah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. But no, it was, you know, whatever. We can talk about why we did it another time, but we used to clear the entire table, take off the ka'ara, Make sure all the flashes, we changed the tablecloth, oh, wow. we had our milk eggs, then we had it back. It changes it up. I think it makes it makes Yom Tov exciting. You know why we did it? Be- oh, wow. My great-grandparents started it because they couldn't have two heavy flashic meals in one day because it killed their insides. Oh, wow. So they had a big flashic meal for lunch because they always had a lot of company the first day of Yom Tov, And then the second Seder nice. was, was milk eggs. Yes. For it those of lighter. you who are going to, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. You end it with cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, and the Seder with cheesecake. That's awesome. How bad could that be? Um, let's go through a couple other things very quickly because we're running out of time. I loved the recipe on page 63, the spring lettuce with pastrami croutons. Yes. So smart. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's really exciting salad. Very simple and delicious. What's your favorite recipe in here, this issue? Oh, gosh. Um, I know it's all your children and you don't want to pick a favorite and you think the other recipes are going to be offended. I get it. No, I mean, I love, I'm like so meat and potatoes. So I love the gnocchi with beef cheek. I really like it. Um, And then. Can you serve that at the Seder? Can you yeah, do it like right there? Before. Yeah, sure. Because you Why can prepare not? the gnocchi beforehand and, and then you just do boil it right. Cheek be- the, the sauce before and mix it together on the spot. Wow, wow! But you yeah. can you can cook them beforehand, or you would just have the you know rolling pot of water. I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I I would probably just cook it before because I'm not standing there like boiling pasta at the seder. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, you'll have already had two cups of wine and you're gonna yeah, be happy. Yeah, like yeah, right, just happy to be sitting. Well, Shifra, I, I love it. I, I really, really do. Thank When's you the next so one much. coming out? The next one is coming out in May sometime. It's Shavuos. I love it already. Yeah, Milchik's is my you. life. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, very Milchik magazine. What's going to be on the cover? I'm well, always still excited. Deciding. To... We're really? still deciding. Yeah, we're not sure. You think we should do a salad or should we do something more I don't know. cheesecake you guys oriented? Are certain... We're not sure. You guys are so, um, you know, creative that just putting a salad on there, even with croutons. I'm looking at the clock, buddy. <laughs> um, even with the croutons, the pastrami croutons. I don't know. I just... We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. We'll have, who's your food stylist? Um, her name is Chaya Friedman. She's awesome. She needs yeah. a raise. She does? She does. She's really, <laughs> She's really good. She's very good, yeah. She really is Our team good. is amazing. Our, they're all they're all so amazing to work with as I well. I want to come to the production once. No, you're invited. I want to come to, I want to come to the, I want to come to I'll a invite show. you for the summer one. Okay. Because we already ditched for us. I, Done. Because yeah, you really are planning for Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. It's we want it. Out. We want it to be there for people. Yeah. It's freaking me out. Anyway, Shifra Klein, thank you very much for thank joining me. Thank you for me. having us. Oh, it's always my pleasure. Yeah. You really know that. I, I just, <laughs> one day it's just going to be me and you and a glass of wine, and we're really going to talk. Oh, you know, by the way, I just came back from Israel, right? With okay. I know, I know, I'm running out of time. <laughs> um, I went to the cheese place in the Shuk. Oh, it's amazing. I will tell you off the air how much money I spent there. <laughs> uh, me too. Um, it's not <laughs> normal. Insane. My it's... kids were like, Ma, let's go, let's go. And we're no, just like, why? me and my husband were like, no, there's more. Right, there's go more play in the yeah, shook. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Go play in the shook and come back. Yeah. Anyway, Shipper Klein, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Open invite and a chag kasher to you.
Wow, this is crazy stuff. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am incredibly hungry. I am Mary L. Wallach. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Let's go through the lineup so you know what, what not to miss. In about nine minutes or eight minutes and change, Randy Wartelski hosts a very special edition of Something to Talk About with a 30-year JM in the AM retrospective with some of your favorite hosts and some of your favorite moments. Do not miss it. I can't tell you it's been talked about since yesterday, and Randy was so excited about it. All of her guests who were able to join her were so excited about it. Don't miss it. And then after that, following Randy is an encore presentation of Rivka Abbey's Teen Spirit. She interviewed her dad this week, Cyrus Abbey, who was a phenomenal, phenomenal role model. What would you say? Yes, she, on Jewish Rescue. Thank you, Duke. On Jewish Rescue, do not miss it. Five o'clock, Ellie Hagler presents The Jewish Reaction, brought to you by the OU, followed by the stunt show hosted by Mark Zomick. He is joined by Chaz and Sherwood Goffin with a phenomenal interview by the Chaz, as he is referred to. As he is referred to, ZK will host Thursday Night Extravaganza right after that, followed by an all-new presentation of Book of Life with Charlie Harari at 9 p.m. featuring Dr. Benjamin Tepfer. And finally, the day closes with an hour of Jewish soul with Charlie Burnhout. Join Nachum tomorrow morning, and you hear my voice is getting stronger here. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9.45 tomorrow morning. It is an extended version of JM and the AM on day 10 of the marathon. Don't miss it. It is a huge, huge party. I'm, I'm thinking about staying up all night just so I can make sure not to miss a moment of it and um, because I have to get there early, frankly. But it's going to be a huge party, and you will have to make sure to check our Facebook page and our Twitter updates because the cake that was made for day 10 of the marathon of the 30th anniversary is something I, I still can't get over it. Totally blowing my mind. It is the coolest thing I have ever seen and totally beats anything you've seen on like those cooking channels and Cake Boss and whatever else. This is ridiculous. It's the coolest thing. Naomi Nachman, table for two. We'll start at 945 tomorrow morning because of our extended version of the Friday morning show with the last day of the marathon. Don't miss Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by our one and only of Rami Finkelstein. Matzei Shab is 10 p.m. only on the stream. Check out all of our programming on our schedule. Our new website is, is more exciting every single day. Click on the network schedule. See what you can listen to as your days go on. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Scott Goldberg, and Joy of Kosher's Shift Recline. Finally, my thanks to Yael Lassen, my fearless intern, and to Duke for both his help with this show and all the contributions he makes at the network. He is an integral part of this team, and I honestly could not do it some days without him. Folks, I implore you to donate to the marathon. If you listen to JM and the AM or any part of our programming and you enjoy anything we do, please give. I honestly don't care what you give, but please do what you can. JMandTheAM.org. And on that note, I leave you today with Mordechai Ben David's Im Ein Anili. Because of the words, Imlo Akshav Ematai. If not now, when? Please give to the marathon. Log on now. JMTheAM.org. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
Mohani, we eat, 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 we eat